Have a seat. Have a seat. Let's get started, right? Let's get into this. I'm excited now. Um, let's pray. Let me pray real quick, and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity, Lord. I All day I've just been thinking about how unqualified I am to even be talking about you, but I was told today that we were created to worship. We were created to worship, and, and through this, devising your word and just speaking and just telling people about what you've done for me, that's worship. That's worship in its most authentic form, Father. That's, that's more important to me than, than how I sound or how I look or how, how, how much this comes off or whatever. I, it's just so important that I do this for an audience of one, Father. It's me and you. Um, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, I thank you all for being here. Um, really thank my pastor for allowing me to do this. This is only my fourth sermon, but this is my first sermon here at my home church, so I'm really excited about that. I've always... I don't tell him I have the keys. I come up here sometimes to just practice when nobody's here uh, <laughs> because I know this is something that God's called me to do, so I'm really excited. Um, so I'm going to get into it. I, I just want to talk real quick. Um, <clears throat> when I was, I, I didn't grow up here in, in Florida. I grew up in Ohio, Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, yeah, we got some Ohioans here, right? So uh, when I turned 16, um, I'm able to get my license, and my father thought it was a great idea for me to go to driving school. Um, he had a really great experience with a defensive driving course, and he wanted me to have the same type of experience before he let me out on the road. So I went to this driving school, and majority of it, we were sitting in the classroom, and they were scaring us to death watching these videos, and, and that's what we were watching. And, and I first want to say, like, like, who thought that it was okay for a 16-year-old to be behind this car, right? Who, who decided that that was the age to give this unstable um, guy that's not really paying attention, this, this guy that's out here looking for everything except for the role. Who thought that 16 years old was the right age to put me behind the wheel? <laughs> I didn't think of it that way then, but now that I have a 13-year-old, I'm like, he's not going to be ready in three years, right? So, so but anyway, um, so we finally got through the whole classroom part of it, the videos, and they finally gave me a chance to get some road time. So I get behind the wheel. I'm so excited. I feel like they finally trust me to, to get behind this wheel. They didn't talk to me and talk to me until my head exploded, but now they actually trust me to get behind the wheel, hit the gas pedal, and go. So I get in the car, I'm, I'm, I'm concentrating, I'm 10 and 2, I, I click my seatbelt, I'm, I'm really trying to focus on the road, I'm trying to th do all the things that they've been taught to me, and I feel like, man, I can't believe they trust me to do that. So everything went well, I got my license, uh, so don't worry about that. But uh, <laughs> now that I look back, though, I start to think for a second, okay, I really believe that they trusted me at that point to get behind the wheel of this car and have full control of it, right? But I think about it like I was in this white and yellow bright car. It had this big triangle on top that said student driver with the yellow lights flashing. It had, and then I looked over. I think about my instructor. He had his own steering wheel, his own pedal, and his own brake, right? So he didn't really trust me as much as I thought he did, right? Because at any point in time, if I was steering the wrong direction, he could correct me. If I was going too fast, he can slow me down. And if I wasn't going fast enough, he can accelerate. How often do we do that with God, right? How often do we say, God, take control of my life, take the wheel, you go, but we still want our own steering wheel, right? We still want to be able to steer. We still want to be able to hit the brake when he's pushing us out of our comfort zone. We still want to be able to accelerate when he's telling us to slow down, right? Today, our main idea for the passage today is called trust and acknowledge him because God knows what he's doing. I'm going to say that again. Trust and acknowledge him because God knows what he's doing. Look, I get the water bottle and everything. Man, this is tight. 
I've been, I've been, I've been practicing this for a long time. You know? <laughs> so let's start with uh, Proverbs. Our, our passage today is going to be coming Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. We're going to go with verse 5 first. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. Pastor Jimbo has been talking uh, this past week about things that were simple but not easy. I believe trust falls into that category. The issue is, if you're a human being, someone has hurt you at some point in time. Someone has broken your trust. We have all are technically damaged goods, if you think about it. The problem is, we, we attribute those traits, that hurt, that pain, to a holy God. And we don't fully submit because we feel like when we open up, we get hurt. When we, when we let somebody get full control and get all the way in, we can get hurt that way. And we attribute that to God so we don't fully let God in. And that seems to be a problem. Um, we say all the time, God, I trust you. I fully submit to you. We say that with our mouths. The problem is we don't act like that. Communication is 85% nonverbal. There are, there is things that you say with your mouth, but your body language, your facial expressions, gestures, eye contact, posture, all of that says what you're really saying, right? All of that communicates what you're really trying to say. Um, just for an example, I have a young man in my home right now. He's eight years old. He's awesome. Um, his first day of school was the other day. I picked him up from school. First question, how was your day? It was great. It was good. It was fine. I said, yeah? He said, yeah. He, you could tell that he wanted to say more. He was, like, trying to figure out how to say it. And I said, well, what made it good? What you learned today? He said, I got an A. I said, you got an A already? They give, <laughs> they give out A's on the first day. And what he's talking about is behavior, their conduct-wise, based on their behavior, everyone starts out with an A. If you mess up, it goes to a B, a C, or a D. So he got an A the first day. We rejoiced in that. It was awesome, right? And if you know this kid, you know that's a big deal, right? <laughs> this kid got an A the first day, right? <laughs> so, so that was great. So the second day, right? I got in the car. I was expecting the same response. I said, how was your day? He said, it was fine. <laughs> I said, well, it was fine. Yeah. He's, I was like, so what happened? What, what happened? No, it was, it was fine. It was fine. So he was saying the same thing, right? It was fine, but he was communicating something very different. So I had to dig a little bit deeper. What happened? I got to see. I said, you got to see. I said, well, that's passing. We, let's, let's rejoice, right? So, <laughs> so we celebrated that as well. So, Because if you know this kid, a C is a big deal, right? So, <laughs> so, <clears throat> so like I'm saying, um, we communicate. We say, God, I trust you with all my heart. I want you to have full control of my life. But then as soon as our, our bank account don't look right, what do we do? Right. As soon as the relationship breaks up, as soon as things get scary and we get uncomfortable, all of that trust goes right out the window. Then we start communicating something very different. We get depressed. Our body language changes. We don't want to talk. We want to isolate. That shows that we don't fully say, we don't fully trust like we say we do. Let's, let me give you an example. I can say right now that everyone in here, you trust your chair more than you trust God. You trust the seat you're sitting in right now. There's some people where legs are crossed. People are very relaxed in their chair because no one in here expects their chair to not support them, right? You, 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 you didn't even think about it when you sat down. You fully expect that chair to support your own weight, to keep you up, and, and you have no issues, right? We don't even trust God like that. 
right? You technically, you trust your seat you're sitting in right now more than you trust the God of the universe. I can't explain that enough that we're talking about the creator of everything created, right? We're talking about the fact that he took dirt, right? That's who we are. He took dirt and formed this shape and breathed into it, and we act like God owes us something. God's not obligated to us, right? We were created to worship him, but we act like, God, if you don't come through or we start giving God demands, like, if you, if, you, if you help me out this one time, I promise I'll do this, right? That's not how it works, right? This is the God of the universe, right? He's never, ever let us down, not once. Never, ever let us, he can't let us down, right? We're talking about a perfect God. He cannot fail us, but as soon as that bank account goes negative, we get so scared. We get so anxious. We get so nervous. We get so upset. We get so depressed because we don't truly believe that God's got our back. Um, I like the way David put it. Let's turn to Psalms 22, verse 4 and 5. I got my Bible marked here. Psalms 22, 4 and 5. He says, and you are fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. And you they trusted and were not put to shame. David was saying, going back a generation. I remember when, when, my, when my start to fail, when my trust starts to fail, I can think back generationally and say, you was there for my father. You was there for my grandfather. So why wouldn't you be there for me? Why do all of a sudden I feel now that you don't have my back when you've always had our back since day one? I can, I guarantee, I can say right now with, with the utmost confidence that every single person that's been here, that's sitting here right now, God has brought you through. And I can say that because you're sitting here right now. Right? The fact that I can see you and you're here means that when those situations got where you didn't know if you were going to make it, if you didn't know how you were going to make it, God brought you through that because you're here right now, which is something to rejoice about because that means God's not finished with you yet, right? Because like I said earlier, he doesn't owe you anything, right? None of us in here have did anything yesterday to deserve today. Think about that, right? There's nothing you can do to deserve another day, to deserve another minute. Every single breath you take is a gift from a mighty and holy God. New mercies every single day, right? God revealed something to me that, that shook me to my core. I knew that God was calling me for something. I knew that he was pulling on me. And I used to say this prayer. I used to say, God, just reveal your plans for me. Show me what you, your will for my life, and that's what I'll do. Show me what you want me to do, God. I'm yours, right? I'm yours, right? So, so God, God shook me. He said, okay, I'm going to show you what you're really saying. He shook me, and what I was really saying is, God, show me the blueprint so that I can make some proper adjustments, right? Show me what you want me to do, then I can make some edits, and then we'll do that, right? Let's compromise, right? That's horrible, right? He revealed to me right then when I thought I was being at my most holiest how wretched I am, right? He showed me how much of a bum I am. And how much I, I expect God to come through for me, right? How much I, I expect God, like he owes me something. He doesn't owe us anything, which is crazy. And what that is, is leaning to our own understanding. The second part of, um, of uh, Proverbs 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. That's what I was doing. As I was saying that prayer, I was saying, okay, God, I know you're a holy God. I know you have a great plan for me. But if you want me to do this, what am I trying to do? I'm trying to grab my steering wheel, right? Let me steer it a little bit this way so that I can do it the way I think it should be done. Um, No one would argue the fact that God is in control, uh, but we would never intentionally posture ourselves to be 100% dependent on the supernatural. Let's say that again. 
No one would argue the fact that God is in control, but we will never intentionally posture ourselves to be 100% dependent on the supernatural. We'll never put ourselves in a situation where we can't do anything about it. But how often do we find ourselves there, right? We find ourselves on our knees some days when the bank account's at zero, when the baby's crying, when your wife's getting on your nerves, not my wife, but it's somebody else's wife. <laughs> when, when everything looks lost, when our job is going to end, when, when crazy things, the cars broke down, the kids are getting seized, everything's happening, right? And we get on our knees and we say, I can't fix this. God, I can't do anything about this. I physically, there's nothing I can physically, I can't work harder. I can't pray harder. I can't do it. There's nothing I can do to fix this situation. And that's where we're 100% dependent on the supernatural to come through, to do something for us, right? That's where we should be all the time. That would be a great place to be, but we'll never intentionally put ourselves in that position. My friend Kyle says it like this all the time, and it blows me away. He said this probably the second time we ever rode together, and he was praying And I thought it was really weird. And he said this, and it really moved me. He said, God, continue to break my legs so I stop trying to walk on my own. That's crazy, right? Think about that. Like, continue to break me every time I try to do it on my own. If we can can wake up and and, and change our default settings from us to that type of posture, I think that there's nothing we can't do at that point. There's nothing that we can't do at that point. God, break my legs every time I try to walk on my own. That's crazy, but that, that's, it sounds like a daunting task, right, to, to get to that point, but if you knew who it was that you were leaning on, if you really understood who it was that you were leaning on, you would have all the confidence in the world. You would walk out of that door and be ready for whatever the devil threw at you. If you actually woke up and knew who it was that you were going to lean on today, God, this is your day. God, this is your life. God, I'm yours today. Use me today. That type of power that we can plug into, that's, that power source is so immense, we don't even really understand it. Quick story. Me and my wife grew up. She grew up across the river in Kentucky. I grew up in Ohio. I actually grew up in the suburbs, and she grew up in the hood. I know you wouldn't think that, right? <laughs> you would probably flip that the other way. But she actually grew up in the hood. I grew up in the, in the suburbs, right? So I would travel to her house, and um, she had a brother. Love the guy to death. He, uh, he got into some gang activity, right, him and his little friends. Um, it's funny because he was a crip, which means he wore all blue, but he was like pale white, freckles, and red hair. And I don't, I don't know how that works with the gang rules or anything, but apparently they were crips, right? So I show up, and I get to the door, and I walk in, and him and his little friends, they light up. They're like, hey, what's up, what's up? We about to go to McDonald's. You want to go? I'm never going to turn down McDonald's. Let me tell you this. I'm never going to turn down McDonald's, all right? I don't care what the situation is, right? So I jump in the car. We ride to McDonald's. I'm eating my Big Mac and fries, right? On the way back, they're like, let's stop over here right quick. I said, all right, whatever. I got my Big Mac and fries. I'm good. So we pull up. There's another group of guys standing out. Of course, they're wearing all red, right? So they jump out the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all was talking all that stuff. Y'all got us the other day when y'all jumped us. Y'all got us. We ready for you now. Get them, Stan. I said, what? (laughs) What What? What just happened, right? Like, what you mean? Get them, Stan, right? They were so confident that we were going to go and just wreck these guys because they thought that I was some guy from Cincinnati that was a fighter. And little did they know, I was thinking about, like, this McDonald's and what I was going to wear to school tomorrow, right? Like, I, was, I wasn't that guy, but they just didn't know that, right? Because that's the persona I kind of projected, you know, because I'm coming down there to the hood. I had to put on my, you know, I put it on, right? So when, I, so when I show up, they thought I was that guy. But they got in that car, and we drove to these guys' territory. We went into the, think about this. 
we got in our car and we drove headfirst into the enemy's territory, ready for battle because they was that confident because of who they had with them, right? Even if it was misguided. What if we woke up like that? What if we started our day knowing who it was we had with us, confident to go right into the world, which is the devil's territory, right? Right into this world and be ready for whatever he has for us because we know who we have with us. We have the confidence to know that God's got our back and he's never let us down. If you think about what he said in Luke 9, chapter, I mean, Luke chapter 9, verse 23, and he says, and he said, if, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me, right? Deny himself, take up that cross and follow me. That's, what we, that's the posture we should take every single day. When we walk out of that door, we say, you know what? I'm changing my default setting. It's not about me. It's about you. I'm going to take up my cross, whatever you have for me, and I'm going to follow you into wherever you lead me, into whatever situation. Somebody said it like this. God, whatever you want, wherever you want it, and whenever you want it, that's what I want. Think about that position, right? Think about who we have. Think about who we're talking about, somebody who never failed us, who can't fail us. That's who we're relying on. So every morning when we wake up and we change our default second default settings what we're doing we're acknowledging God right and we go to Proverbs verse 3 chapter 6 it says in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall make straight your path let's talk about that in all your ways acknowledge him that means everything that we do everything that we say everything we live everything we experience all your ways acknowledge the fact that every breath is a gift that we've done nothing to earn our next breath There's no amount of works or good deeds or living right that we can do to earn another day. It's all Jesus. I can't say that enough. It's nothing we can do to earn anything. It's all Jesus. It's a gift that he freely gives to us, right? The God of the universe died for you, right? That's crazy, right? Like, why? Why me? Like, I haven't done anything. Matter of fact, I've done several things today that could probably cancel me out, right? Like, like, I'm a sinner. I'm a, I'm a wretched, I'm a horrible person, right? No matter how holy I try to be, Jesus Christ died. He got on the cross and died for you and me. That's so crazy to me. Uh, go to Lamentations. How many people have been in Lamentations lately? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's impressive, right? Lamentations, verse 3. <laughs> Chapter 3, verse 22. <clears throat> Limitations chapter 3, verse 22. It says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Every single morning is new mercies. Because we didn't earn this next day. Because every breath is a gift. That means that every single day, the next, every, as soon as you wake up and you take your first breath, those are new mercies. That's unmerited favor. Right? That's like every day a stranger walking up to you and handing you a thousand dollars, right? You didn't do anything to earn it. Matter of fact, you, you're probably going to waste it, right? How often do we do that with the, with the new mercies every day? How often do we waste that day thinking about ourselves and focusing on our own problems and never give a thought to what Jesus wanted for us that day, right? But every single day, he's still waking us up. And I can say that about you because you're still here, Amen. right? Because you woke up today. That means he's not done with you. That means that those are new mercies. That's something to rejoice about. As soon as you wake up, if you're not, if the first thing you do when you wake up is check your phone, you get it backwards, right? You get it. Something's wrong there, right? If we don't even acknowledge the fact that God gave us this first breath, that we were able to open our eyes and see, that we wasn't in Louisiana under 
10 feet of water when we woke up in the morning, right? That we're, there's not somebody shooting at us or, or we're not experiencing the persecution that's going on around. Like we can, we have, right now it's legal for me to read this Bible in public. It's not like that everywhere, right? There's places in the world right now that doing this could get us all killed. That accepting Jesus Christ is a death sentence, right? So waking up and not even acknowledging that, there's something terribly wrong with that, right? But guess what? Jesus still died for you, right? If Jesus is omnipresent, which means he's everywhere at the same time, right? Past, present, and future. He's, he's everywhere. He's always there. He's always going to be there. That means that he is simultaneously with us today when we sinned and at the crucifixion. And he still decided to go through with it. He knew that we were going to not acknowledge him. We knew, he knew that we were going to ignore it. He knew that we were going to try to steal some of that glory. I do it every single day. Sometimes I would, when I'm talking to somebody at work, I'll give them a Bible verse because I want them to see how holy I am. Not because I want them to get the truth from it, right? How bad is that, right? I told you I'm a horrible person. Like, I can't, I can't deny that, right? But new mercies every single day. Jesus still died for me. He decided to give his life for mine. For what? For what? That's the question when I wake up in the morning. God, what do you want from me today? Right? You sacrificed everything. What do you want from me today? <clears throat> Why do we need to acknowledge God? All right? Let's talk about that for two seconds. Why do we need to acknowledge God? I'll tell you why. I'm glad you asked. Hebrews verses 12, I mean, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 is why we need to acknowledge God. Check this out. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne. That's why we acknowledge God, right? The author and perfecter, he's telling us to go. I got your back. Do you know who I am? Right? I'm seated at the right hand of the throne. I got you. What are you scared of? That's what he's saying. Like, run this race. I, that's why we acknowledge him, because he's worthy, right? Because he's trustworthy, because he can't fail us, because he is God. The scripture is, is describing the God that is greater than any obstacles that's able to make straight our path, right? When we talk about the second part of the verse, it says, um, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall make straight your path. This is the God that this scripture is, is, is describing, the God that's able to make straight your path. Whatever that means. He's, he's the God that's able to make straight your path, but he's still the God that loves us enough to keep some curves and some bumps in it because he knows what we need. Because it's almost like God knows what he's doing sometimes, right? It's almost like he knows what we need more than we need. Of course he does, right? This is God. So we would love for him to just lay it all out for us, and we have no issues, and it's the path of least resistance. But how many Christians in here know that that's not the case? Yeah. That there are some hard days, right? My dad used to say it like this. When I used to come in the house, I used to be so amped up and crazy about something that went on or so upset about some girl or something, not my wife, um, something crazy that went on. My dad used to look at me in the eye. I used to think, I used to be like almost to the point of tears. And I'm thinking my dad's going to hug me and, and kiss me and, and tell me it's going to be okay. He says, some days are just better than others, son. That's what he would say, right? He would look me right in my face and say, some days are better than others. That's so true. Right? Now that I'm an adult, right? Some days are just better than others, you know? 
And that's the case. And so those, those rough days, God's shaping us. God is, is doing something for us. He's, if somebody said it like this, if we're not in a storm, that means we're on our way to one, right? Because storms are coming, but he's getting you prepared. How many of us understand that your testimony, whatever it is you've been through, was not technically for you? It was so that you can bless somebody going through the same thing later, right? When you've been through something crazy and you come through it on the other side and you know what it looks like, you know what that hope looks like, when you see somebody going through it, that's your chance. You can go say, listen, I know what you're going through. I, I was addicted to this and I drank this and I did that and I did this, but I know what it looks like coming through that. You can do this. Let me walk through this with you. That's community, right? That's walking the talk, right? That's saying with God on our side, with God as the Father, I can show you how I got through this. I can show you what God did for me, and we can do the same thing. We can get through this. That type of hope is better than any 12-step program or book or anything that somebody can read. If you take somebody by the hand and say, I've been through this. Let's walk through this together. You can do this. I know you can. Because when they get weary, that's, their strength is going to come from you because you know you've been there, right? And you can tell them, I was weary just like you was. I was in that same place. I was ready to give up. But God brought me through. Just somebody seeing that. That's community, right? That's thinking missionally. That's doing life together. That's what we're supposed to do as the body. That's why it's so important tonight to have all the church planners. When you think about the big C church, right, all of us, we're one body, right? There's no competition, right? Cedar Creek is two blocks down the road. If they have an event, we should be a part of that, right? Whatever they, whatever's happening, if, if I'm in Canterbury Gardens right now, if, if I hear about something happening in Eureka, I should be over there, right? I should be saying, what do you need from us? How can we help you, right? Whether you're in Orange Park or whether you're in Canterbury Gardens, we can work together. We're the big church. We're the same church, right? We have the same Jesus. Jesus died for us just like they died for them, just like they died for them, no matter what it looks like. That's why it's so important to have everybody here tonight. That's why I love the fact that we have so many church planners in the building. Just know that we're a community. We are the big C church. When we come together like that, right, what can the enemy really do, right? When we come together like that, what kind of a presence can we make? Think about how we can change the face of the city if we came together like that, right? If we really came together like the big, if we thought of ourselves as one church, one body with all these different jobs, right? It's so important. Um, But God knows we're a mess. He knows we're going to take every opportunity to take control of the steering wheel and attempt to steer our lives in the direction that we want to go, right? God knows we're a mess. He knows that we're going to take every opportunity to hit the brake when he's pushing us out of our comfort zone. God knows that we're a mess. He knows that we're going to take every opportunity to hit the accelerator where he's clearly telling us to slow down and trust his timing. The good news is that God, knowing that we are a mess, sent his only begotten son to die a substitutionary death and pay the bill that our stubborn, controlling, unbelieving sin lives bought. And if you have not accepted this free gift, you don't have to wait any longer. If you have not accepted Christ into your life, you can do that today. You don't have to wait till Sunday. You don't have to wait till some special event. You can do that right now. Right now, you can accept this gift and become a part of the Big C Church, right? To have this comfort, to have that rock to lean on so you don't have to no longer lean on your own understanding. So you have a tr- you can trust in somebody who can't fail you. You can have the confidence to step out of that car and go into the enemy's territory because you know who's got your back. That's what it means to give your life to Christ. It doesn't mean that everything fixes. It doesn't mean that you won't have any more problems, right? It means that you have a solution now. It means that you have hope now for when those times come because they're coming. Persecution is coming, right? Hard times are coming. 
financial burdens are coming, church membership dips are coming, right, my church planners, right? <laughs> Problems happen, right? Problems happen. But when we have a God, we know who we're leaning on. We know who's in the back seat, right? We know who we got with us. We can have the confidence to go full force. Whatever the enemy has, he can't beat us. He can't beat us. I'm going to end with a piece I wrote. Um, I feel like it's really prevalent, and, uh, and it's pretty sick, too. So check this out. <laughs> it goes, <laughs> it goes, I hear a knock, knock, knock. Who's at the door? It's an opportunity to get in tune with the spirit. I need to recognize when I hear it because God's recognizing when I fear him. It's a whole new level of respect that has me down on my knees, thanking God for the air that I breathe. And now I want to do is please him with every fiber of my being. So that's why I'm applying what I'm reading. Right. I take it from the word to my life, to my son, to my wife, to my job, to my community. My commitment to Christ is first and foremost. I put it in front of me as a guide to lead me through all the trouble and turmoil. You see, we live in the age where they put Christ in the cage. You can't take him to school because it's illegal to pray. You can't take him to work because it's offensive to atheists. But it's impossible to contain all my gratefulness. You see, I walk what I talk because I lead by example. This sin that I'm living in is surely a handful. I learned how to trust in the Lord for my family, and I never try to lean on my own understanding. I tried it my way, and my way failed. I had my soul locked up, couldn't make bail. But God showed me the light, so I chose the right, and now the world sends me hate mail. Because they don't want to hear me praising. They don't want to hear me talk about the days when Jesus comes back for all the made men and leave the rest bound up in enslavement. So while you standing there acting like you don't know, and others giving lip service in the front rows, not you guys. <laughs> you better settle down deep in the words so you don't keep going in circles like a jump rope. Let's pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, I pray that I know the fact that you're sovereign. That means that every person in here is in here for a very specific reason. I don't have to understand what that reason is. I just want to be in a position to be used by you, Father. I pray that anybody searching for the answers, that you connect them with somebody in here today, Lord, that can lead them to you. I, preach, I pray for each and every church planter in here, Father. I know, I know just by watching and just by listening that they go through a lot, that planning a church and the stress of that is a strain on not only themselves but on their wives and their kids and their homes I know that the enemy is looking for a place to get in there and cause issues I know that the enemy is looking for a place to get in the church and cause discernment father I pray that we lean on you and we trust in you that we understand who it is that we're doing this for who it is that that has our back throughout whatever so as we go out into this dark and broken and shattered world father we can have the confidence to know that you're my rock. You're my rock, my stronghold, my sword and my shield. The enemy can do nothing. We are more than conquerors, Father. I thank you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I have a treat, right? Um, we have a church planner from Eureka Gardens.